It's Ariel Hawani, and I wanted to let you know that each and every week, I'm part of a great program called The Ringer MMA Show. I host it alongside two absolutely brilliant minds. Their names, Chuck Mendenhall and Pete Carroll. And every Thursday, a new episode drops where we preview the weekend in mixed martial arts and react to all the biggest news. Plus, after every UFC pay-per-view, we give you a post-fight show. So this is what you have to do. Just follow the Ringer MMA show on your Spotify app so you don't miss an episode. We'll talk to you then. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. Take a shot at betting the NBA with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or visit rg-help.com. Alrighty, let's roll, baby. Welcome in to this Monday. May 15th edition of New York, New York with yours truly, J.J. John Jastrzemski. Rocking and rolling right here on the Ringer Podcast Network. And no better way to be ringing in my 35th year here on planet Earth than spending time with my loyal, dedicated, true blue, diehard New York, New York audience. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we have reached what we like to call a transition period in the New York sports calendar and in the sports calendar in general. Because on Friday night, and I'm sure many of you listened to our Twitter spaces and you downloaded your podcast via Spotify and Apple and all the wonderful ways you consume this show, the New York Knickerbockers, unfortunately, have no more basketball left to play. And over the next couple of shows, we're really going to do a deep dive. We'll start tonight with Zach Braziller. We'll have CP, the franchise, on Tuesday to dive into all of the possibilities for what this franchise could look like come next year. We know they had an incredibly successful season. They make the playoffs. They win a round. They compete in round two against the Miami Heat, but they fall short against the Miami Heat in round number two. And it's obvious that there is much work to do for this team now to go and take that next step, which is going to be daunting and challenging and anything but easy. But I think you're the most encouraged you have been about the New York Knickerbockers as a franchise in, I don't know, 20 plus years. Because even after 2012, 2013, you knew the team was aging. You knew the team was moving in the wrong direction in some instances. You want to tell me, all right, you had expectations 2010, 2011, 2011, 2012. The bar was so low then. This team now has taken that bar and they've kind of jacked it up a little, which is something I did not see at the beginning of the year, but 
Credit the front office. Credit the amazing Jalen Brunson. I know he got outcoached in this series, but you credit Tom Thibodeau. And now we'll see how the Knicks move forward. The Julius Randle question, what ends up happening with the NBA draft lottery? And there's a lot to discuss. But that transition period means we turn our attention now front and center to the New York baseball teams. And I think all in all, considering the state of affairs for Tampa and considering the state of affairs for the New York Yankees, I think it's okay to accept a four-game split. And I know that a lot of people listening are going to be like, JJ, when did you get so soft? When did you become such a loser? How are you applauding the fact that the Yankees were eight or nine games out of first place are splitting with the Tampa Bay Rays and you feel good about things. Well, the bar now has been lowered from a Yankee standpoint. I know many of you don't want to hear that, but in the regular season, forget about the postseason where that bar remains the same. But for the regular season, listen, I have flushed away my hopes and my dreams of the Yankees winning the American League East. That happened well before the Yankees matched up with Tampa in these two respective series last week and this week. What I am encouraged about, though, from a Yankee perspective, in this four-game split with Tampa Bay, the Yankee bats that have been way too quiet for most of April and into the early portion of May showed serious signs of life in every single one of these games from Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Friday, it was Anthony Rizzo on Mandalorian night. The two home runs, the go-ahead homer in the bottom half of the eighth inning. Listen, Anthony Rizzo, hands down, no questions asked, has been the Yankees' best and most consistent everyday player so far in 2023. And the Yankees just got to hope that that back holds up because the shift changing the way that it has changed has helped Rizzo as a hitter. There's no doubt about that. And having Judge back in the fold should only help Rizzo. Having a deeper bottom of the lineup should only help Rizzo. He's been fantastic. He's one of the few Yankees. Rizzo and Cole are probably the only two Yankees right now who would get A if I'm giving grades in the middle of May. That's how good Anthony Rizzo has been. That was an awesome win on Friday night. Saturday was an even better win because the Yankees got a subpar start from Nesta Cortez. They're down six to nothing. And for the first time in 2023, Maybe since opening day. Because opening day, Aaron Judge did have a moment. Aaron Judge said, hey, I'm one of, if not the best player, not named Shohei Otani in all baseball. Two home runs. Reminding you of what we saw for basically the entire 2022 season. And the Yankees go and overcome a six-month deficit and find a way to win the game. Now, Sunday, unfortunately, the comeback Yankees were down three to nothing. Took the lead with the Rizzo home run. Saying, here we go again. Good vibes. Not to be. Korschmidt stinks. I don't know why Aaron Boone is going to Albert Abreu. I get it's the fifth inning. I get it you've used a whole lot of relievers these last couple of days. But Albert Abreu should not be on the New York Yankees. How many chances, how many opportunities do we have to give a guy who flat out stinks? High leverage situations. He ain't it. In the fifth inning, in the ninth inning, in the 20th inning. He ain't it. And, of course, he gives up the grand slam. But once again, like the fight from the Yankee lineup, they tack on a run in the seventh. Volpe, who had a very, very good weekend, did a lot of good things for the Yankees, even though I don't know 
understand for the life of me why he's hitting seventh in the order. He's still in bases. He's still in runs. He hits the two-run homer on Sunday. Really encouraged. I told you guys, don't worry about Anthony Volpe. He's going to be A-OK. I would double. I would triple. I would quadruple down on that assessment. But the Yankees get it to 8-7. Judge flirted in that ninth inning with a close call, but not to be. And you split the four games with Tampa Bay. Look, the Yankees are still eight back to Tampa Bay in the loss column. I do not think they're catching them this year for what it's worth. But in these seven games that you watched over the last two weeks, it was not eye-opening where it was like, holy smokes, we're not in the same weight class as this particular team. I mean, look at the amount of one-run games that were played last weekend and look at the one-run games that were played this weekend. That, to me, is a good sign for the Yankees moving forward. Now, with the balanced schedule, you're not going to see them for a while. Yankees will not play the Tampa Bay Rays until the end of July. And then, of course, they find a way to play a three-game series on my wedding weekend. That'll be a little distracting on that Friday night. It's going to be tougher to make up that head-to-head ground. But with baseball's playoff format being the way it is, get in. With the start the Yankees got off to and with the start Tampa Bay got off to, that's, that's basically your understanding. But the bats, far more lively. Some answers in the bullpen. I love Hamilton. Can't get enough of Hamilton. Cordero has done a nice job. But now the Yankees, doesn't get any easier. Blue Jays for a couple games, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And then you get Cincinnati over the weekend in what is a rather blasé series, if you ask me. So some more high-intensity baseball from a Yankee perspective next few days. All in all, I thought positive signs. Positive signs in this four-game split. Now for the Mets. They go and take two of the first three against the Washington Nationals. And when they lose game one the way that they did, and they lose three to two, and they had all those delays yesterday, you're saying, man, Max Scherzer better go out. And Max Scherzer better go and pitch and do the job against one of the worst teams in all of baseball. Thankfully, for the first time, it feels like since that San Diego start, it was nice to see Max Scherzer missing bats. And dare I say, look, some sort of four-fifths or five-sixths of what he used to be. I'm not getting nuts about Scherzer shutting down a terrible Washington Nationals team. But that is the sort of outing that I, for one, can look at from a Met perspective. Five innings, two hits, one run, six strikeouts, and say, okay, we're cooking with gas here. And if we can get Scherzer to build upon that, and we can get Justin Verlander to build upon what he did the other day against the Cincinnati Reds. Okay, our much maligned starting pitching now should have two much better answers in Verlander and in Scherzer going and doing the job. So I didn't think it was a great step in the right direction for Scherzer that San Diego start when he was basically walking the ballpark through a ton of people on base. It, it took him a zillion pitches to go through five innings today. 83 pitches through five innings, that's far more economical. That's far more efficient. That is what you're looking for out of Scherzer. Now, that's not the only encouraging sign for the Mets. Welcome to 2023, Starling Marte. It is nice to see Marte go and string some hits together and some run scoring hits together. I mean, the Mets have him down in sixth spot in the order. He has been reeling before this weekend. 
And when you look at guys in this lineup that really need to step up, listen, when Dor is an obvious one, he's hitting 223. We know his contractual situation. We know the deal. Pete got off to the tremendous start, and still, the power numbers are really good for Alonzo, but he's better than a 230 hitter. But those aren't even guys that look at. They're givens. If, if Lindor and Alonzo aren't going to hit, then there's not much to talk about with the 2023 New York Mets. Marte's a guy, though, that's got to get it in gear. McNeil is another guy. He's hitting 260 right now. He's got to get it in gear. Nice to see Canna go and hit three hits today and drive in a couple of runs. He's been a non-factor all season. Like, these are guys, Canna, McNeil, Marte, that were instrumental in what they did a season ago. Now, you need those guys to wake up. And you got one more with the Nationals tomorrow. It's a weird 4 o'clock game. Very, very strange scheduling. Very, very strange. 4 o'clock getaway game on a Monday wraparound series. Hey, whatever. I don't hate it. Peterson. Who, by the way, if he pitches like crap, I don't want to see him again. Like, give me somebody else. The problem is the Mets have no rotation depth in the minor leagues because of a lot of the trades they've made over the last couple of years. That's why not having Carrasco hurts. That's why not having Quintana hurts. On top of what's gone wrong with the big two guys from an injury or in Scherzer's case, an underperformance standpoint. Mets, they got to start getting going. 20 and 21, go win this third game against the Washington Nationals. Do not be splitting a four-game series with Washington. No way, no how. No. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, who's waiting for you? Best team in all of baseball. Tampa Bay Rays come to town. So, I think Monday will determine the f- sort of moon, the sort of feel you have going into that Tampa series. Win three out of four? All right. Did what you needed to do after a couple of dismal series against some dismal, dismal teams. Split this series, and I'm not feeling those good vibes. Not in the least. So, now is the time. Middle of May. Nick say sayonara. We really hone in front and center on the baseball teams in this town. And before we get to calls, I was thinking about this, and I want to throw this to you guys for the show we have coming up on Tuesday and the show we'll have coming up on Thursday. We had all of these New York teams that were playing in the postseason from a winter sports standpoint. We had the Rangers, the Islanders, the Devils. We had the Knickerbockers, and we had the Brooklyn Nets. All the mid. Would you say... As a whole, the New York playoff run was a success. And it's hard for me not to be biased on this because out of any of these teams, the Knicks are the most near and dear to my heart. So the fact that the Knicks won a playoff series and got to game six of the second round, from that standpoint, it's an overwhelming success. But I'm not going to say it's a slam dunk success from this standpoint. I thought we'd have one team in the hockey that would have found their way to the conference finals. I thought that team was going to be the New York Rangers. They don't get by the Devils. The Devils get outclassed by the Carolina Hurricanes. Therefore, there is no team in the Eastern Conference Finals. I mean, as far as the Nets and the Islanders, listen, the Islanders were a big dog in their series. The Nets were an even bigger dog in their series. By the way, nice of Philly to show up. What a, what a game seven for them. Doc Rivers. I, I mean, listen, Doc seems like a good guy. He is the worst coach I've ever seen when it comes to his teams holding a lead in the playoff series. 3-2. 3-1. Go live bet the other team. 
Because if you've been doing that over the last 15 years, you've made yourself a lot of money with Doc Rivers coaching a whole lot of teams. And listen, James Harden not showing up in a game seven. That eh, doesn't stun me in the least. Down on Embiid. I love Embiid. Embiid is a fantastic player. He had a great season. You can't play like that in game seven. And I know Tatum was great, and I know he didn't miss a shot. I know he's in my city, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you were great. You avenged what you saw in game six. That's a that's a tough pill to swallow for the, Celtics, uh, for the Sixers. So I can't believe I'm saying this. Before we get to calls, I'm rooting like crazy for the Heat. Is that okay to admit it? I know it's a lesser of two evils. The Heat, the great rival, the team that really pissed me off in this second round, but I, I don't want a Boston team in the uh, NBA Finals. I don't want the pod father happy. They made me money today. I bet them today. And I think the series price, by the way, is completely out of whack. Boston minus 500 for the series? No, 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 no. I know Vegas is usually on the money. Not in this case. Not in this case. All right, let's do calls. They're coming up next. Voicemail time as we have now hit the middle of May. I mean, before you know it, I'm going to be married and it's going to be football season. Like, that's how the summer works. Two weekends from now. Memorial Day weekend. Memorial Day weekend 2023. Two weeks from now. A little less than that, actually. Insane. 917-382-1151. Baseball teams take center stage, but I'm sure a lot of Knicks post-mortem. Steph, let's hear some voicemails. Let's go. Disco J. It's Syosset J. Um, a quick Nick point and then a Yankee point, but first I want to just give a a happy Mother's Day to all the mothers uh, related to the New York, New York program, to your mother, uh, your beautiful fiance's mother, to all the mothers, to Stefan's mother, Charlie, and Elmhurst's mother. Happy Mother's Day. Uh, listen, Nick, you can't be heartbroken. You can be disappointed. They put up a fight. I mean, you see the way all those other series ended, especially the Game 7 in Boston, the Game seven, uh, the game 6 in, in L.A., the Knicks at least put up a fight. Miami was a tough matchup. Miami was not a number eight, uh, eight seed. I told you in the last voicemail the series was over. But I'm very intrigued now, more intrigued with this Knicks summer than I have been in a long time to see the way that they build around this superstar that is Jalen Brunson. And he is a superstar. He's a, he's a gamer. He's a winner. He's a superstar. We're going to have all summer to talk about it, so I'll leave it at that. With the Yankees, Jay, and, and you may not like to hear this, but it is what it is. I've, I've illustrated this point to you, to the great legend that is Charlie and Elmhurst as well. I cannot get too high and I cannot get too low with this new MLB regular season now when six teams are making the playoffs. I'm sorry, I just can't. I can't go nuts about a game in May when, you know, the bullpen's given up a grand slam. And I can't go nuts about a game in May like, you know, they did the other night with the Rizzo home run, the Judge home runs when they win. This is the new MLB, my friend. For better or worse, this is it. I mean, I cannot drive myself crazy when this team is basically going to be, you know, at worst two or three games out of the last wild card spot in September if there are 500 teams. And that's pretty much the way that baseball is shaking out right now. You know, you assume they're just going to be in the wild card hunt the entire season. And the Philadelphia Phillies last year showed you that even if you're below 500, even if you get a new manager halfway in the season, and even if you squeak into that last wild card spot the final week of the year, you can still make a run uh, to the World Series. So again, I know you know maybe the commissioner's office doesn't want to hear this. Maybe you don't want to hear this. But the regular season in Major League Baseball right now for the powerhouse teams, which we still do consider the Yankees a powerhouse team, just doesn't mean as much. I'm sorry. I mean, wake JJ, wake me up after Labor Day, because honestly, I don't give a shit about the regular season. 
God bless you, and God bless all the mothers. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. Well said by our buddy Cy Asset. I get his point about this baseball season. The issue is you got to get in the playoffs. The division, as I said at the start of the show, it's basically done for the Yankees. I felt that way going into last weekend against Tampa. The Yankees play well in these games. Like, I'm actually encouraged by some of the signs that I saw from the baseball team. But yeah, the Phillies are the perfect example of get in the playoffs, be right going into the playoffs, win your best of three, and then take it from there. There's a lot of truth in that. And it is going to be a very fascinating summer for the Knickerbockers. An insanely fascinating summer because they're moving in the right direction. They got themselves a cornerstone piece in Brunson. Are you looking at minor tweaks? Are the Knicks going to bide their time or are they ready to go and make a uh, a big splash here with a move? And I, I think when you talk big splash, the question is, can they move Julius Randle? In a perfect world, I would like to. The problem is, how do you move a guy like Randall and maintain what you were able to do? That's a tough question. But I know this. If you think the Knicks are winning and winning big with Julius Randall as a part of the team, you're damn full. You're damn full. Because this game is just not built to go and play in the postseason. It's not. There's something missing. I've seen it now. Two of the last three years. Julius Randall's a regular season player. That's what he is. A good one but not a guy who in postseason time is in that circle of trust. He's just not. Who's next? Hey, JJ, just wasn't able to hop on the Twitter spaces the other night and just got finished listening to it. A couple of comments on the mix. One, besides the lack of production of the players, I think there's two other issues with this team right now. One, Thibodeau, the lack of adjustments he made throughout the series, didn't try playing Randall at the five. In my opinion, it's something he could have went towards because even though it would have lost on the sense of end, it would have been more spacing for the other players to operate. And number two, and this is on the front office, you got to get more shooting and more ball handling. This was two years ago all over again when we had Derrick Rose with about 90% of the time, and it's not feasible to continue to try to win up like that we got to be able to get another ball handler, which quickly was throughout the season to not perform in the playoffs. You need a veteran guy like that. And another shooter, which Grimes by himself isn't going to help anything. Gosh, Park not been able to shoot. RJ Barrett not able to shoot. we got to get more guys who can put the ball in the back. I think that's a really good assessment. However, you don't want to make the mistake they made with Evan Fournier where you fall in love with a guy who is just an all-or-nothing shooter, and brings nothing else to your basketball team. They did that with Fournier. Remember, they lost the Atlanta series. We had no shooting. That's all you heard. We have no shooting. We have no shooting. We have no shooting. They go and get a guy who can shoot it, but he does nothing else properly. And he ended up fleecing the Knicks in a terrible, terrible contract. So there's some truth in that. But you have to have well-rounded basketball players. But yeah, the lack of shooting, more so than the... You want to tell me they should have gone small? That's fine. That's fine. The Knicks were not winning this series. Randall would have gotten abused by Adebayo as well. Spolstra outcoached Thibodeau. I'll give that to Eric Spolstra. He's the best coach in the NBA. By the same token, Miami's got more ways to beat you than the Knicks. They got more ways to beat you. And the crazy thing about this series, going in Jimmy Butler, best player in the series. Wasn't right in this series because of the ankle. Brunson, pound for pound, Numbers-wise, was the best player in the series. 
and you still don't win because the rest of the roster was just not where it needed to be. Okay, who's next? JJ, what's up, man? It's Chris and Largemont. Listen, about the Yankees for a second. Big picture. You called this a uh, week and a half ago, 10 days ago, whatever it was. You basically said, if we went three and four, given the complexion of our injuries and a lot of the stuff that we're trying to get evened out as a team and where we are relative to the Rays, that's kind of baseline. So, listen, we should have probably won one of the games last series uh, in Tampa that we didn't win. We could have won one of the games this weekend and won three out of four. Nonetheless, we're now three and four against the Rays in the last seven. And listen, Volpe's playing a lot better. He's hitting the ball, getting some confidence. Rizzo's been a man possessed this season, uh, especially now that the shift's not in play, like you said. And Bader, obviously a great addition to this team and an injection of life has come off the injured list. But listen, I just want to talk about the institutional incompetence of this organization and why I think it's going to get a lot worse before it truly gets better. And I think a good coach or a manager, a good GM in any sport has a pulse on the team to the point where moves are made ahead of us fans of the team recognizing it. And the Yankees brass in this regime always just seems just a step too slow across the board for whatever reason, whether it's stubbornness, service time, you, you name it. I mean, you know, last year, Update on Gallo, too late. Benching Hicks was too late. You know, bringing up the young guys, too late. And, you know, this year it feels like there's, there's a bunch of examples as well. I mean, you know, IKF and Trevino in the lineup. I know there's injuries, but these guys are just absolutely just dead weight right now. And, you know, even you know, the biggest things I think that we're seeing in this, in, this, in this particular example are, you know, Clay Holmes as a closer, he just ain't it. You know, we, we've said this now for weeks. And, in high leverage spots, he might succeed one time out of three. It's shaky, but he's not the guy he was now for almost a year. And then, and then today you saw a perfect example of it. I mean, Albert Abreu just sucks. He sucks for a while. And then Clark Schmidt, he's just unfit to be a starter in this team. And I wish this team would just shake up things faster and they just don't do it. So just very frustrating as a fan of this team. And anyway, man, I hope you enjoyed your the, the Mother's Day. You know, trying to be in, in happy in spite of the Yankees' mediocrity. Great Mother's Day for my wife, my mom, my mother-in-law, and just wishing you a happy Mother's Day for you and your mother, and uh, happy early birthday as well, and uh, be well, and uh, we'll talk soon, brother. Take it easy. Well, I appreciate those kind sentiments, Chris, um, and happy Mother's Day to your wife and your mom and everybody in your life and everybody in the New York, New York's uh, family of moms, give or take. Now, you're right about the stubbornness of the Yankees. Took too long with Gallo last year. It's taken too long with Aaron Hicks. The love affair with IKF. That's because this front office is stuck in their ways. Clark Schmidt is a perfect example of that. I don't want to see Clark Schmidt start games anymore. He ain't it. I know he's a big prospect. I know the Yankees had high hopes for him. He ain't it. I know Severino's on the mend. That's the guy who's got to be yanked from the rotation immediately. And then hopefully, we're talking about Rodon at some point this year. At some point. Because that's going to be a monumental whiff for Cashman if he does not throw a pitch this year. Monumental whiff. Let's hear him. JJ, hey, Mike in Westport. Nets fan. I know you're not taking too many Nets calls right now, but you know what? Yesterday was a joy for Nets fans to watch Durant invisible, Suns out, Harden invisible, choke, 76 is going down, Kyrie 
nowhere, went to, goes to Dallas, does nothing. And, you know, all we have now is a boatload of picks. Mikhail Bridges on a great contract, Cam Johnson. I mean, it's a beautiful day. I just loved watching it. I just loved it. Durant did nothing. The whole series did nothing. Big superstar. Now, what is he, 38 years old? Harden at home. Shoots, what does he shoot? He shoots something like four for four for 16 or something like that. It was just such a joy. So you know what? All that bad karma that we had, it's all gone. It's all gone. Thank goodness we got rid of all three of them and let them enjoy the losing going forward. Later. I love it, Mike. Listen, I would be as salty as you are. James Harden, wake me up when the guy actually performs in a winner-take-all monster game. I don't know who was worse in Game 7. Embiid, Harden, or Doc Rivers. Take your pick. or all of the above. But I got to get on Durant here. They're firing Monty Williams immediately after this series when they have two players on a team. How stupid are the Suns? Monty Williams was coach of the year, what, a year ago? They've done nothing but win over the last few years. Now, it's Monty Williams' fault that they lost to a much better, a much more complete Denver Nuggets team. If that's on Kevin Durant, then shame on Kevin Durant. Shame on Kevin Durant. And I, I love the Nuggets in the series, and I love the Nuggets in the next series. I know it's LeBron. I know it's AD. The Nuggets are the best team left by him. They're the best team left by him. And Jokic is a man on a mission. That's where my money is at. And I can't lose in this series because I got both teams in futures. I can't lose. I love them in the series. But shame on the Suns for firing Monty Williams. Shame on them. We'll have official picks on the Eastern and Western Conference Finals on East Coast Bias. So you want to stay tuned for that. If you don't follow what we do on the Ringer Gambling feed, you're missing a ton of great content with Joe House, Raheem Palmer, and of course yours truly. All right, we come back. My main man, he's been with us every step of his basketball season. Zach Brazil in New York Post will put a bow on this Knicks season. And what are the realistic chances of Julius Randle being traded in the offseason? We'll discuss coming up. So now that the Knicks season has come to a close, we put a bow on 22-23, and we look forward to what's to come this summer. Our pal Zach Braziller, he's been a major player for us throughout this Knicks season. I mean, the guy's been working his ass off. Vaccaro tweeted this out the other day. I mean, he's going through a St. John's coaching surge, a Knicks season, a St. John's season, all of these appearances on New York, New York, and he still lives to tell about it. What's up, buddy? What's up, man? How are you? Um, I've been better. I've been better. I wish there was going to be a game seven Monday night on my birthday in Madison Square Garden, but not to be. But listen, Zach, bottom line, Miami was the better team. You know, this was not some flukish series, even though Jalen Brunson was the best player in the series and was fantastic. And I can't say enough good things about what he brings to the table. You look at the overall complexion of these two teams. It's no secret Miami found a way to win in six, right? Yeah, I mean, I always wonder. I always wonder, you know, how is this series different if if Drew, if Randall plays in Game One? Uh, you know, maybe the Knicks hold, you know, hold home court and, and we get a seventh game. But look, the Heat were the better team. I don't think there's any doubt. They won Game Three easy. They won Game Four easy. The Knicks had to struggle for their two home wins. Butler was great. Bam Adebayo absolutely destroyed the Knicks. Kevin Love had moments. Kyle Lowry was really good. Some of their bench guys are really good. And look, the Knicks had, had Brunson playing well. They had RJ playing well for the most part. 
And really, everyone else was very consistent. Quickly got was good, then he got hurt. Randall was extremely up and down as he usually is. And look, Tim's got out coached a little, and the Heat were the better team, no doubt. So you're in a locker room after the game. You've been in a lot of losing locker rooms over the years, Zach. Kind of set the stage for anybody out there listening. What was the vibe like in that Nick locker room? Was it like dejected, distraught? Was it, hey, we're going to be back, kind of upbeat? What would, I wasn't there, obviously. The audience wasn't there. Talk me through what it was like covering that locker room after the loss. Yeah, it was, it was really quiet. And the Knicks, you know, as they like to do, they, they made sure they got guys out of there who, they did, who the Knicks didn't want to let talk. So they open the locker room a lot later than they're supposed to, but that's how the Knicks run things. We all know that. Um, but yeah, it was like it was a very quiet locker room. Mitch Mitchell Robinson talked in there, and a few other guys, and the rest were were at the podium. Um, R.J. Barrett, to me, with his press conference was the most memorable to me. He was visibly emotional, very kind of close to cracking, and you could tell how 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 upset he was with his performance and how upset he was with how he played. I, I would not say the same thing about Julius Randle. I'm not saying he wasn't upset or disappointed, just did not show it quite like R.J. Barrett. And, you know, Jalen Brunson, who was, you know, a, a guy who's, who was pretty down as well. But R.J. was the one that really stuck with me the most because you could just tell how how upset he was and how much this guy puts into it. And I, I really earned a lot of, you know, if I didn't already, and I've always liked R.J. personally, I, I, I gained a lot of respect for just his postseason and how he dealt with criticism. You know, to me, if there are any fans who don't want him long term, I think you need to reassess. I think he's a guy you win with long term. I'm not saying he's better than a third option, but I think he's a winner. He's a guy who works. He's only getting better. He's 22. And you could just tell by that postgame press conference just, just how much he wanted to win, just how, how kind of upset he was with how he played. I think that's a great point on Barrett. You know, I killed Barrett, Zach, after the first two games of the Cleveland series, and rightfully so. And you wondered how he would handle the adversity. You wondered how he would respond. You look from game three Cleveland until game six against Miami. The guy had a really, really efficient and productive postseason. Game six obviously didn't go his way. But in many ways, ZB, I think a guy like Barrett can use what happened in April and May as a major springboard for him in taking that next step as an NBA player. Listen, he has work to do. His jump shot is not there. At times, he could be very Jekyll and Hyde, but I think he's a guy that should feel really good about what he did over these last couple of weeks. Yeah, he was, look, he was really good. And, you know, he's a guy who's got a lot of self-belief and self-confidence. You know, he's, he's not going to let struggle stop him from doing what he does. And I think we need to realize he is 22 years old. Um, and, and that's not something that really should be forgotten, in my opinion, that he has made strides, he has gotten better, and look, we still haven't seen that all-star season from him. He might, he might not ever be a star, but you could be a very good player in this league without being a star. You could be a winner and be part of championship team without doing that. And, and I, think, I think RJ really showed that, that he can be that guy, and I was so impressed with kind of how he handled uh, those struggles, just all year, really, and obviously in the playoffs even more where all eyes are on him. I think I'm going to shock you right now. Jalen Brunson is my favorite Knicks since Patrick Ewing. Wow. I said it. I said it. And you know I'm a Carmelo guy, and you know I defended Carmelo. What's not to like about Brunson, Zach? I mean, everything about this dude, 
the way he gets after it, the way he competes, the way he makes people better. I look at these two performances facing elimination. You can make the argument Zach Key was better in game six than he was in game five. And if they had anybody, dude, who stepped up in game six, anybody, Randall, Barrett, uh, if quickly was able to play and he could have stepped up or you give me the guy that could have given him 15 to 17 points. We're talking about a game seven. That's how heroic Brunson was these last two games, dude. I mean, think about this. Game six, he goes 14 of 22 from the floor and the rest of the team was 13 to 49. Like, I, I could not believe that the Heat were not basically throwing three guys at him. No one else on the Knicks could throw the ball in the ocean. I was, I was stunned that, that Spolstra didn't, um, you know, just try to force anyone else to hit a shot. And he did to a certain extent. But yeah, look, Brunson is great. He's always blames himself after losses, even when he really shouldn't. He did it again after game six. He's, to me, he's changed everything about this franchise and its outlook. The Knicks have a legit star. You want to say he's not a superstar? Fine. But he's a star. The, the fact that he didn't make an all-star game in an all-NBA team, and Randall did, to me, is... It's a joke. It's a joke. And I don't want to hear about positions. And I don't want to hear all yeah. oh, guards way more stacked. You watch the team and cover them every single night. Zach, I watch them every single night. Anybody's going to sit there and tell me that Julius Randle is more NBA, all-NBA worthy and more all-star worthy than Jalen Brunson could take a damn hike, dude. Because they don't watch the same games no, we it's watch. Not, it's not close. I mean, Brunson was was their MVP by a, by a mile. And, you know, he's... He was great. I mean, the guy was amazing. I don't think anyone in their wildest dreams could have thought he would be this good. And look, he's he's a guy that's only going to get better. And he's, you know, it's kind of it's kind of silly, but look, he you know he blamed himself for that turnover late. And and honestly, if you look at the replay, I, Randall didn't exactly go hard for that pass. Let's be fair there. But but Brunson's going to use that as motivation. He's going to use the series losses motivation. He'll use he'll use whatever he can for motivation because that's kind of who he is. But look, the Knicks. The Knicks are just so fortunate that the Mavs were not were not smart enough to extend Brunson when they when they could have, and now the Knicks have one of the best lead guards in the league. I don't think there's any doubt. So Brunson's a keeper. I think Barrett stays unless you get overwhelmed in the offseason and he has to be a part of a package. Then you have a different conversation. But Zach, I did a live show after Friday's game, and I can tell you from all of the Nick conversations I have via my texts. I can tell you from all the Knicks fans we talked to on Friday, they want Randall off this team. And I get the complicated instance here. He makes a ton of money. You have to match up that money. How are you going to get the production that Julius Randall provides over 82 games in the regular season? But you and I both know, Zach, if this franchise wants to get to where I think we all want him to be, which is a parade down the Canyon of Heroes, there's not a chance in hell they're going to field the championship team on the floor with Julius Randle as a part of the team. There's no way in the world that's happening. So from what you hear and you're well-connected to what's going on there, where do we put the likelihood of Julius Randle being traded I'm this still going to say he's more likely to Nick next year than not. Um, and it, you, can't, you can't just trade him to trade him because, and I get it, look, he did not have a good postseason. There were instances where I felt he wasn't giving nearly enough effort on the defensive end. and That cannot sit well with people in the organization and certainly not with teammates. But he did set score over 25 a game. He did rebound over 10 a game. He was a pivotal part of the Knicks being a big surprise at, you know, fifth place, 47 and 35. And let's not forget game one against the Cavs when he wasn't even sure you were going to play. 
he played really well and they they won that game and that was probably the difference in that series. So let's not let's not forget all that. And I don't disagree with you that he's probably not gonna be here if they're gonna win a championship. But you want to trade him for Carl Anthony Towns? I don't okay. I don't. No, and I don't and listen, I'm not a Randall fan and I want Randall gone. That does not move the needle I, to me at all from a Knicks perspective. Towns a little bit better. Uh, I don't know he's, he's charming better, soft. I don't know if he can handle New York, and he's a terrible defender. No, I'm out on Towns. I'm out. Uh, I, I pro- wow. I mean, okay. I, okay. I, I don't. Um, but yeah, that's the that's the tricky part here. Is you get rid of him? How are you matching that production? And don't tell me Obi Obi Top, please don't. I, I know the, there are certain fans that love Obi. He's still a limited defender. He is not a playmaker at all. He's you know. He shot thirty percent from three um, in the playoffs. I just, I just do not see with Obi. I think he's at best a seventh, eighth man in this league on a good team. Um, so yeah, look, it's it's a really tricky situation for what they're going to do with Randall. I, my gut is they keep him and they kind of try to improve marginally and see what else comes available. That's just my guess, but it it's look. There's no simple solution here. There's no doubt. Okay, so they're heading in the right direction. That's great. Um, Brunson is a cornerstone piece. There's no getting around that. But I think the challenge they're going to run into next year is that. And it kind of reminds me of what happened two years ago. But I think now expectations for next year may be taken to an entirely different level because of the fact that they want a playoff series where it's like, wow, they want a playoff series. By, in theory, the only way you get better is you get to the conference finals. This roster to me is not good enough to get to the conference finals right now. But you don't want to make short-sighted, uh, illogical type of decisions. So you think more than likely this summer for Leon Rosen Company, it's, hey, we got the Dallas pick more than likely. We got our own pick. Maybe we make a move here or two to complement. Don't want to make the ill-advised moves they made two years ago with Fournier and, and bringing back Rose and that whole disaster of an offseason. You think it's a yeah, pretty look, there are some quiet guys available that I think would help that maybe make them a little better, whether it's DeMar DeRozan or OG Anunoby, someone like that who can be had in a trade. Now, you know, you're going to have to obviously give up something for that, and we'll see if they, they're going to try to extend quickly. You would expect he's, he's eligible for, you know, a, an extension off his rookie deal. You would think Josh Hart will be back, and I, I just think they asked a little too much of Hart in this Heat series. So you think Hart will be back um. Yeah, I I think they can go, kind of get a good you know a good player, a borderline all star. You add that to the mix, and that improves your depth and makes you a better team. That's that I think is what you're going to see, unless something crazy happens and you know Joel Embiid is is on the is on the trading block, which I don't think is going to happen. Although we got to wait and see what James Harden decides to do. But yeah, I, I think you're kind of looking at that as maybe you trade for a good to. You know, not a good, not great guy who's kind of similar in terms of ability to RJ, to RJ Barrett. And it gives you another good player, and you kind of see where you go from there. All right, buddy. Now, what's next for you? Uh, next season come to a close. Uh, you got to wait about five months to pay up your uh, Jets Dolphins bet, which I look forward to cashing uh, in early to mid January. Steak will be medium rare. The cream spinach will be ordered. The bacon will be had. And it will be on Brazilers' tab, not Jastremski's tab. Uh, but what now for you? Is it uh, 
Do you follow in the Rick Pitino recruiting path? Is well, that a well, big we'll uh, you know, kind of summer starter viewers a lot of Met baseball? What's next now? You know, we, we, we watched, watched some Mets today, and, you know, fortunately, they actually won a game. Nice. Um, boy. Although I'm still kind of curious why Buck decides to hold his good relievers in game one, but, you know, we'll get to that later. And, and yeah, look, St. John's, is, it's, it's, it's almost like Ed, New York is adding another pro team. You have Rick Pitino here. They're, they're, get, they're doing very well in the transfer portal. They just got the second leading score in the country from last year. Jordan Dingle, a transfer from Penn. I think they're probably going to be just outside of the top 25, especially if they can add another big kid with this last scholarship. I mean, it's St. John's is going to be a lot of fun next year. Um, I think they're, they're going to probably play around eight, nine games at the Garden, so St. John's going to be fun. And look, we'll, we'll see what the baseball teams can do here. I mean, it's, I'm not overly confident. Now they take center stage. It's a weird spot for them, ZB, because... They have been overshadowed in many ways by the Knicks and you had the Rangers involved and all the winter sports activities. Now, baseball team center stage, Yankees showed a little fight against the Rays. I'm, and you know I've been down on them as anybody. Down on the GM, down on the manager. I give them credit this week against Tampa. I thought they showed some serious fight. Real fight. Yeah, no, look, that that was a guy. They had a much better showing than I thought they, they would have. and uh, They played well. Yeah, look, hey, they played well. So what? They went, they went what? Three and four against the three Rays. Three and four and against really the Rays, who are off to this record-setting start. And all the games, one-run games, ZB. That's the thing. Like, you didn't watch these games and say, wow, Tampa is just leaps and bounds, miles ahead of the Yankees. You didn't feel that watching these games. No, oh, I mean, that it could have easily been 4-3. Let's put it this way. I'd feel much better around my team if I was a Yankee fan than if I'm a Mets fan right now. Much better. Well, because the Mets haven't had to say, I know Verlander missed time, and I know Scherzer's missed a little time. The lineup ZB is exactly what you expected it to be. That, to me, is the issue. And the two big guys, listen, we could talk about Marte, who's got a hit, McNeil, who's got a hit. We both want to see Vientos. We're on the same page with that. They need Lindor and Alonzo to hit. And Lindor has been a massive flop so far this year. And Pete, after hitting all these home runs early, he's really cooled off. No doubt about it. They've they've been really bad, and they've had a soft schedule. So it's it, it's not just that they're one under; it's that it's one under with playing a lot of bad teams. That to me, I think, it, it, if you're a Mets fan, you have to be concerned about. And look, I think the, I don't think the GM is very good. I've said it to you a million times. I I think he did a bad job. Half their bullpen are are quad A guys. I don't want to hear about Edward Diaz, but Buck. Look, I get it. He always he's thinking long run. He's got to stop managing every game like it means nothing. Like, these, you got to win these games. Today in this doubleheader, the first game, 2-2, seventh inning, and he, he doesn't use any of his top relievers. They lose the game. And then the, the nightcap, they score a ton of runs. You don't need the guys. Too much buck. He's always thinking about the next game or the next day. Like, and he did this a lot last year, and then he got away with it. Like, try to win the game in hand. I, I don't, I don't get it. Like, I, I mean, I get it's 162 games and all, but sometimes he, to me, loses me a little bit with how he handles this bullpen. Zach Braziller, New York Post, buddy, enjoy some much needed time off. Uh, I will talk to you. Hopefully, we'll have a cocktail in the next couple of weeks. Long, well, well deserved. All right. Happy birthday. First one to wish me a happy birthday. How about that? Going to be the big three five. Wow. You're old. You're old, man. I am old. You ain't kidding, bro. You ain't kidding. Sister graduated college, getting married this year. Life comes at you fast, man. (laughs) All right.
That's all, buddy. He's been with us every step of the way of this next season from opening night to after the uh, game six loss to the Miami Heat. That's Zach Braziller. Uh, we'll have some trivia. Larry, take it easy on me. That's coming up next. All right. Trivia time. Larry, it is my birthday. So it'd be nice if you took it easy on me. I know you won't. I know I'm not getting any freebies, but maybe in the kindness of your heart, you're going to take it easy on your boy. Four is yours, baby. Let's hear it. KJ Larry, got two questions here. Since 2014, what pitcher has thrown the most nine-inning complete games? Question two. In the last five years in the NFL, one receiver has caught at least eight touchdown passes in all five years. Who is that receiver? I'm out. All right, in the last five years, at least eight touchdowns. All right, I'm starting with my guy, Tyree Kill. <laughs> Didn't get there this year. I think Jalen Waddle took a lot of those touchdowns away. He might have been right around that number. Last five years, at least eight touchdowns. This is a very good question. I felt really good about Keenan, uh, Tyreek Hill. Uh, number two, Stefan, is it Stefan Diggs? Mm. It is not Stefan Diggs. It's a receiver, so that rules out Travis Kelsey. He's out. He's out. Devontae Adams. Mm. Wow. I am whiffing here. At least eight touchdowns in the last five years. So that's 22, 21, 20, 19, and 18. Okay, Stefan, we're going to do a little reset here. I'm going to take a deep breath. We're going to figure out what the hell has gone wrong. DeAndre Hopkins. Am I, like, close? I can't believe how badly I'm whiffing on this question. I'm not mad at the way that you went about it by going with Superstar receivers, that wasn't obvious. This guy is not a superstar receiver, but is one of the most steady receivers in the the NFL. And I'll give you another hint. He's a smaller guy, a smaller receiver, but steady as they come, like very steady wide receiver. Very steady, okay. With that hint, is it Adam Thielen? It's not Adam Thielen. Mm. Wow. Felt really good about that guess, too. Steady as they come. Not in the description of a superstar wide receiver. Smallish guy. Smallish guy. Keenan Allen. I might have guessed him already. I don't know. What conference, Stefan? NFC West. In the NFC West? Correct. NFC West. Oh, is it Tyler Lockett? There we go. I mean, I could have been guessing for days. That's a tough question. I would not have guessed that Tyler Lockett's the only guy to have eight touchdowns in the last four or five years. Would not have guessed that. So, job well done, Larry. All right, 2014. What pitcher has thrown the most nine-inning complete games since 2014? 
Corey Kluber. Let's go. Because he threw a ton early in his career. And he's added a couple over the years. So, Larry, I got you on that one. And that was a tough question. That was a very tough question. We kind of embarrassed ourselves with the NFL one, but to go and call your shot on the baseball one, not too shabby. All right, before we say goodbye, Mr. Money, the floor is yours. I don't know what we're looking at for Monday and Tuesday, but take it where you see it. Let's go. What up, JJ? Jeff Money here with a handicapper picks with you for Tuesday, the 16th. We got the game one of the Western Conference Finals. Tough battle. You know what? I'm going to go with the Denver Nuggets minus the five and a half over the L.A. Lakers. Again, I'm going to go with the Denver Nuggets minus the five and a half. Let's see if we got a family play. Okay, JJ, I'm out of here. Let's go. Let's go, Jeff Bunny. We do have a family play in game one of this series. I'm taking the Nuggets laying the five and a half. And I know a lot of folks are going to want to put their money on LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And this is a revenge series for Denver after what happened in the bubble in 2020. This is actually in the East and the West. It's bubble rematch time. Heat Celtics, Nuggets Lakers. I think the Nuggets are just a more complete team. I think Jokic is the best player in the series. I'm not saying for their careers. Listen, we know LeBron's an all-time great. Right now, Jokic is the best player in the series. And the every other day act from Anthony Davis will not fly. Now, full disclosure, I will be a big fan of whoever wins the Western Conference. I have tickets on either team. I have a very nice one on the Nuggets. I have a very nice one on the Lakers. I can't lose. My prediction on this series, Denver is going to win in five or six. And I think that the Heat-Celtic series price is so wrong. Celtics are probably going to win the series. They should not be minus 500. That's just totally off base. They should not be under any set of circumstances minus 500. Unless you're telling me Jimmy Butler is like hurt and can't play in these games. They will give Boston hell. That'll be a lengthy series. Boston will probably win in six or seven games. That's my prediction. And they'll sweat. They will absolutely sweat. So we do have a family play, Jeff Money. Uh, we will have a show on Tuesday, a show on Thursday. It's full-fledged baseball season. Uh, we'll still be diving in a little bit more on what's coming next for the New York Knickerbockers. And I'm going to do this later in the week. We haven't gotten a chance to, to break down our best and most viable destination trips for where New York, New York should go during the football season. But we'll have some fun with the NFL schedule. We didn't get to do it last week. We were just too wrapped up in all the Knicks stuff. I'm going to have some fun with it at some point uh, next week. And we'll maybe map out a New York, New York road trip or two. Good job by Stefan. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there, especially my mom. Love you. I can't thank you enough for everything that you do for me and our family. I want to throw that in there. Chances she hears this, 20%. On that note, Stefan, fabulous work. We're back Tuesday. I'm hopefully going to go low tomorrow in a scramble. It still counts. But that's the idea. JJ out. Enjoy your Monday. Be good, everybody.